This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. And good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk. We're on the Sports Talk Media Network on a Monday night, the Monday after, of course, Selection Sunday and everything that went down over the weekend. Back in our studios in Columbia after being in Greensboro. And it's good to be back with you. We got a lot to cover, and we'll do all that with you. Taking your phone calls tonight, 888 898 We'll hear from a bunch of folks as well. And I guess the big story late this afternoon to pass along is that Graham Neff, Athletics director at Clemson told a group of reporters today after Brad Brownell met with the media to preview the NIT that Brad Brownell will be returning as Clemson's basketball coach next season. You know, going back to this time last year, Neff put out a letter to Clemson fans expressing his disappointment with the basketball program not making a tournament, neither the NCAA nor the NIT, And he told the reporters today that he felt like this Clemson team was an NCAA tournament team, that they should have been included. And so I guess he looked at that as Brownell getting the job done to his satisfaction. And so Brad Brownell will be back next season as a Clemson basketball coach. I'd have to say that answers a question, that answers some doubt with the Tigers not making the NCAA tournament. You can have an opinion one way or another as to whether or not you think they should have been in. Bottom line is they didn't make it, and Brownell gets the support from the athletics director, which I'm sure is very important. He also told media members they're going to build a $40 million basketball operations center across the street from Little John Coliseum. David Hood of Tiger Net's going to join us in the next hour. He's at football practice right now. Tiger's continuing with football practice. He was one of the reporters in the group that met with Graham Neff And so he'll share more on that with us when he joins us a little bit later on. In the meantime, we'll hear from Brownell and his thoughts about not making the tournament and getting ready for the NIT tomorrow night. USC women's coach Dawn Staley will talk about the NCAA tournament from her standpoint. We'll have a little bit from Furman as well as the Paladins are getting ready to go down to Orlando along with the College of Charleston. Wouldn't that be something, Chris, if the two state teams were able to pull off the upsets on Thursday, and then they would meet in the second round in Orlando. be terribly disappointing because one of them would get bounced out, but the nice thing is it would guarantee one of our teams getting into the Sweet 16, which, you know, outside of a couple of runs by the uh, Tigers and, and Carolina's run a few years back to the uh, Final Four, that's not something that we normally get to see at this time of year. So I, I think it would be phenomenal. They've both got really interesting matchups in particular, and how the college handles the defense they're going to see, especially from a three-point shooting perspective, I think will tell the tale of their game for sure. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more about that. We'll talk about the selections, and we'll talk about our brackets. I haven't started putting mine together yet, but I have, have some I. idea about what I'm going to do. I want to remind everybody that we've got another year of our Sports Talk March Madness competition. Tell you more about that coming up. It's part of the ESPN 
bracket uh, competition, and uh, we'll tell you where to go to to join us. But you can get your brackets in, and we've got some tremendous uh, some tremendous prizes. I think some really good prizes that will go to uh, the winner of our March Madness competition this year. So uh, we've got that going on for you. Of course, baseball over the weekend. And, uh, boy, what a comeback for Clemson. They were left for dead on Friday. Managed to win that game against Georgia State. Ended up sweeping the Panthers of the Sun Belt. And South Carolina, well, they continued to hammer away with the baseball (laughs) man. Just homer after homer and grand slam after grand slam. I'm telling you, I know they're beating up on a lot of weak pitching out there with the exception of Clemson and maybe Penn. Penn might have had the best pitching that they seem to date, but they are swinging the bats and they're moving up in the national polls. And uh, boy, uh, Mark Kingston's got to be feeling really good about the way things are going for his baseball team right now. So we got all that to talk about tonight. And what else? Am I missing anything? I've been traveling today because I went from Greensboro to Atlanta for family stuff and then back here this afternoon. Am I missing anything else? I don't think so. I think you covered the uh, major stories, including Brad Brownell getting, I guess, an extension or at least uh, getting the uh, vote of confidence to come back. And I don't think Graham Neff had a decision to make. I think Brad Brownell made that decision for him. Yeah, they didn't get into the NCAA tournament, but he did a terrific job with that team. And if you fired him after this season, Phil, I don't know who you could get a quality coach that would want to take over, replacing a guy who won 23 ball games, had their best home record, whatever, and certainly their best appearance in the ACC. And I'm supposed to follow that guy hmm. because expectations were too high? No, I, I think that was an easy call and the right one for Graham Neff for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, 13 <clears throat> years, he's taken him to tournaments over half the time. Uh, this was an NCAA tournament caliber team. It's much like that USC team that mm-hmm. got left out. Yep. That was an NCAA caliber team. I think what you've got to do now is you've got to schedule, whether you want to or not, This the lesson from this should be You've got to schedule uh, tougher teams. This might mean the end to playing the in-state teams that aren't South Carolina because that comes back to harm you. Even the win comes back to harm you later in the year, especially if you have a bad loss or two along the way, whether in your conference or in your non-conference slate. These games you play in November and December can make just enough difference one way or another to keep you in or or keep you out when it comes when it when it comes down to the metrics and and the analytics and their strength of schedule outside the ACC combined with the fact that the ACC was only the sixth ranked league. Now, if the ACC had been the number one ranked league and Clemson finished third, and you had eight SEC teams going in like the SEC does, that might have made a difference. Mm-hmm. But the combination of a weak outside the league schedule. And then a down ACC by the metrics and by public opinion, I think that combined to give the committee the reason it needed to not only keep them out, but they were the fourth team out. It wasn't like they were knocking on the door. I mean, they were the fourth team out. They were decidedly on the outs with the committee. So I guess you got to tip your hat to Lonardi and Palm because yeah, they knew they what they were talking about with all those uh, brackets leading up to yesterday. Well, and the problem, first off, here is the blunt truth. And Gamecock fans saw it in 2016. Tiger fans, you're dealing with it right now. The bottom line is both of those teams did not win enough games. You can throw everything else at me, metrics, whatever you want, uh, quality road wins, the whole nine yards. They did not win enough games, or it takes care of itself. 
any team that complains about not getting into the NCAA tournament, that's always going to be the easy answer. It's not fair. Well, it actually is fair. It's very fair, but it's not what anybody else wants to hear. But Clemson didn't win enough games this year. It's unfortunate. Don't lose to Louisville. Don't lose to Loyola of Chicago. Perhaps don't lose to South Carolina, even though P.J. Hall wasn't at 100% when they played. But those games certainly came back to bite them. And unfortunately, that's the case. Phil, the bigger problem I think I have listening to Brad Brownell today, and you can tell he is still ticked. Mm. And if, if his team plays with the fire that he spoke, now he wasn't vulgar, he wasn't ugly, he wasn't over the top today, but you could tell that stung him considerably yesterday that they did not get in. If he can get them to bounce back and win the first game in the NIT, that might be a dangerous team moving forward. That first game is always the one you worry about because how much do your players want to want to be there? Correct. Heck, North Carolina didn't even want to play. Uh, they they took their ball and went home. But I think you know from from Brownell's perspective, the the one thing he brought up and he talked about how the metrics and they keep moving the goalposts and different things. If the coaches don't know exactly what they have to have to get into the NCAA tournament, how is that fair across the board? There, there should be some uniform code, I would think. I, I realize the committee changes every year. Personnel come in, go out, and the whole nine yards. But when you have a coach whose team was clearly on the bubble, not understanding why his team did not get into the uh, tournaments, that to me is, is, speaks to a bigger problem with the NCAA basketball and the selection committee and the process as a whole. If Brad Brownell couldn't look back and say, all right, those four losses that we have are really, really bad, and that's the reason we got out. But he, he talked about the metrics were different a month ago than perhaps they were last night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if that's the case, the NCAA needs to correct that. They need to at least get some guidelines out there. You don't have to blueprint A all the way through Z and say this is exactly how we're going to select teams. But there ought to be some sort of measuring stick that everybody can at- adhere to and at least understand, all right, if we, we miss the tournaments – I, if we're Clemson and we miss the tournament, here's why. And I can look at points, you know, B, you know, 10, whatever the case may be. And it just sounds like Brad Brownell is about as confused as, as Clemson fans are as to why his team's not playing this week. Yeah, it should be clear. You mm-hmm. should absolutely have a defined route to making the tournament. Of course, short of winning your tournament championship, which sure. gets you the automatic bid. And then if not winning, you know, 25, 28 games, so you're absolutely secure. But for those on the bubble, there should be something – that they can look at and see, okay, this is why we didn't make it. And what really irritates Clemson fans and Brownell to no end is the fact that he looks at the bracket and he sees an NC State team they beat three times. He sees a Pitt team they beat up at Pitt. He sees a Duke team that they beat head-to-head. So, I mean, there, there are examples. But, again, overshadowed, trumped by... The bad losses. Also, mm-hmm. I saw an interesting tweet from William Qualkenbush up at uh, Clemson. Not at Clemson, but he covers Clemson. He's one of their announcers. And he tweeted that um, when you go back and look at it, they played in that tournament in Atlanta, that two-day event, and they lost to Iowa. And then they played Cal, yep. and they beat Cal. But Cal, of course, turned out to have like the worst team in the country. They like were really, really bad this year. And his point was, had they beaten Iowa, or if Cal had lost and they had played somebody else other than Cal, that they would have had enough, in his opinion, that would have been enough from a metric standpoint and would have affected the strength of schedule enough so it would not have been in the 300s. It would have been more maybe in the mid-200s. That would have been enough to get them in. Just that little bit of wiggle room right there you know, makes the difference. So... 
You know, when we talk about ignoring, well, around here, I mean, because we're so busy with football and everything until mid-December or the end of December, and we really don't have a chance to pay close attention to basketball, unless you're just a basketball nut, and that's what you do. But if you're not, and all of a sudden, you know, here comes February, March, and you look back and what they did in November, well, now it becomes very important, that loss here, that loss there in in um, November and December. And I'm not so sure the committee should put so much of an emphasis on your games played in the first two months of the season. The emphasis should really be on what you've been doing since your league schedule took over and you're playing games in February and March in particular. January as well. January, February, and March. Everybody's playing league games at that point in time. Uh, those games in um, November and December, you know, a lot of, um, obviously, a lot of made-for-television games that pit some of the best against the best. And that helps those teams, of course, strengthen their schedule. How is Clemson going to build up its non-conference schedule if it can't get games against, you know, like a Kansas uh, and like uh, uh, a Gonzaga? I mean, throw some of the power names out there that can help bolster, even with a loss, help bolster your strength of schedule. Here's the other thing, too, that kind of grates on me is that, and this is something that grates on Brownell as well based on what he said in the past. He doesn't like the idea of coaching and running up the score for the purpose of the metrics. Right. But he even said that he found himself doing that. He found himself doing that in a game that they had won, but he kept his starters in because he felt, you know, a 20-point win is going to help us more than a 14-point win, which is <laughs> which ridiculous. Which state games where there was that. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's ridiculous to put coaches in that kind of situation. Uh, agreed, agreed. And, and, you know, something else he brought up, Phil, too, and he, he ripped the ACC a little bit today. I, Brad Brownell was dynamite today. Yeah. It's as good a presser as I've heard from him in a long, long time. He even talked about the ACC Big Ten Challenge and the fact that in his 13 years at Clemson, they have never faced Indiana. He's never had a chance to go back to his home state, face Indiana or Purdue. Mm-hmm. He said, you can't tell me they can't schedule Clemson at some point in time when we get a marquee game in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. He felt like that could have That's potentially my point. helped his team. That's mm-hmm. my point. He's not able to get those kind of games uh, to help strengthen the strength of schedule overall. Unless you just, I mean, if you're Brownell and you look at next year, it's like, okay, I've got to go schedule uh, a half dozen games against top 25 teams. Teams that are expected to be in the top 25. Now, when you make your schedule out, you know, you don't know how a team is going to turn out. He, of course, the South Carolina series, that's set. He doesn't know year to year what South Carolina is going to be. It wasn't his fault that South Carolina turned out to be as bad as it was, you know. But what you're going to have to do, I'm afraid, is eliminate. Even playing a good team like Furman doesn't help you that much with your strength of schedule. Playing a Wofford, playing Citadel. Playing PC teams like that around the uh, mm-hmm. around the state, that comes back to hurt your strength of schedule. And then if you're right there on the bubble, and they look at that and they see 300 plus in your um, strength of schedule with your non-league schedule, then they say, "Up, oh, not good. You're out. Not getting in." And Loyola Chicago was a perfect example of that right there. This is the team that won 25 games last year. They won 10 this year. 
how, how, how do you figure they're going to have that kind of precipitous drop-off from one season to another? When Brad Brownell signed up for that game going into this season, he probably thought that's going to be a really good test for us non-conference-wise. It may help us on down the road. Yeah. Lo and behold, it actually hurt them probably more than anything. Yeah. And Chris, you mentioned the, the Big Ten. Well, let's bring up the ACC Big Ten Challenge from this past year. Clemson beat an NCAA tournament team, Penn State, at home in double overtime. Also, the ACC won the Big Ten ACC Challenge this year, yet across the country, the ACC was viewed significantly less uh, or far inferior to the uh, to the Big Ten this year. And now, I want to pose a question to you guys, if I may. We talk a lot about first impressions, maybe not quite as much about final impressions, last impressions, but they do tend to leave a sour taste in mouths, or can. What do you think about the last time we saw the Tigers play? There are two games in the ACC tournament. They ran NC State off the court in the second half, looked great, but then they looked awfully pedestrian in the semifinal against a very good UVA team, but how much did that performance in losing by 20, so losing in the fashion they did, how much do you think that hurt them with the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think last impressions, when the committee you know gets together, you know, throughout the weekend and in the days leading up to Selection Sunday, committee members are sending in brackets. Okay, here's how I'm thinking right now. Here's my here's my seeds. Here's my teams. Here's what I and of course they adjust it as the week goes on, and so it is a day by day, game by game kind of process for them. I would think so. Last impressions, yeah, I think they do make a difference. I think losing to Virginia the way they did, of course, it all depends on how you view Virginia, and we see how good Virginia is. Then we see them get handled by Duke in the championship game. It was a close game. I mean it. It was digits, you know, down there towards the end until Duke finally put it away. But Virginia is acknowledged as a as a very good team, even though they, they lost a key a key member of their team to injury. So, yeah, I would have to say that uh, the, the last impression does affect, especially a, a loss, does affect the committee when they're sitting there. Look, they're human, and they're sitting there discussing it, and they see a team that maybe uh, won impressively, or like Penn State, like Penn State got to the championship game of the Big Ten. They had an impressive run. Clemson got to the semifinals of the ACC and got handled in the in their semifinal game, and I'm, I'm sure that made a difference. Had they won that game, it would have been extremely hard, I think, to keep them out of the tournament had they gotten to the ACC championship game. Uh, but it didn't happen. So, uh, oh, here's the other thing to kick around, guys. What do you make of North Carolina saying no to the NIT? On the one hand, you could say – you know, bravo, North Carolina, bravo. It just shows that uh, your mind and your spirit is all about winning the national, the national championship and nothing else matters. But then again, participate in anything made available to you for the good of the game and for the good of the sport. And by, you know, turning down the NIT – when you have a perfectly healthy team, the only reason you didn't accept the NIT was because you're so disappointed you didn't make the NCAA. Well, you know, play better and you'll make the NCAA. You played yourself into an NIT-level team. Um, is that a bit on the snobbish side by North Carolina? To just think that they're, that they're greater than the game <laughs> itself, greater than college basketball itself, that it, we'll just turn our back on a – on, on the second tournament, we know it's not, as Dave Odom used to say, it's not the national championship, but it is a national championship. Um, how do you feel about that? Well, first off, with a better field top to bottom, 
you don't have a 14 and 20 team in the NIT like the NCAA does, but don't take me down that road. But yeah. I, it, absolutely pompous attitude for North Carolina, and I expect nothing less from that program. It's, it's ridiculous. It's a slap in the face at college basketball that they don't want to play. But it may lend into a bigger and greater conversation, Phil, that we have during football season in the postseason. How many of those kids might have said, yeah, we can go to the NIT. I'm not playing. I'm going to opt out. I mean, are we going to start seeing this moving forward? Is North Carolina just the start of teams if, say, Clemson? Clemson would be a perfect example. They're going to play, and I applaud them for that. But let's say some of their guys want to say, yeah, I don't want to play in the NIT. I'm just going to opt out. I mean, what what is our reaction when we see that during the college football season? And we don't like it then, mm-hmm. so I don't see why it would be any different now for basketball season. And they don't, you know, normally have the excuse of trying to get hurt and getting ready for the NBA, trying to avoid getting hurt. Rather, I have yet to hear of a player doing that in college basketball. Have you heard of one who not, no. opted out of playing in the NIT? Obviously, they're not going to opt out of playing in the NCAA, but I have sure. not heard of one. You know, whether it was a North Carolina or some other power major conference program that didn't make the NCAA, they they settled for the NIT, but I have not heard of a college basketball player opting out, but maybe that's what they were facing. Maybe they took a vote inside their locker room and their player said, we don't want to play. And if well, you if go, we're story, not going to play. I saw a couple of things on social media last night, now not alluding to whether or not they were going to play or not, but I think Hubert Davis did take it to his team and put it up for a vote, which was dumb on his part to begin with to allow the players to decide whether or not they want to go participate in the postseason. But uh, if that's the case, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody like, say, an Armando Baycott said, eh, you know what, I'm getting ready for the NBA draft. I don't, I don't need this. Yeah. And if they got enough of them inside the, inside the locker room to say, you know, three or four guys that they desperately need to say, nah, coach, we're not interested, mm-hmm. that, that'd be the end of it. Maybe that was the case. All right. Um, We'll get some phone calls coming up after the bottom of the hour. Again, we'll hear from a lot of these coaches as well about uh, Selection Sunday and and what is ahead for them. Of course, Furman, Virginia, Thursday, 1240 on True TV, College of Charleston versus San Diego State to follow 310 on True TV. And today, South Carolina announced the game times for the women's tournament in Columbia. Early start. On Friday, the first game will be at 11.30, and then South Carolina will play at around 2 o'clock. So South Carolina, Norfolk State, about 2 o'clock on Friday, and then, of course, the winners of those two games will meet on Sunday. That time will be determined after all of the games on Friday are over. They'll look at it and see, I guess, where to place which games in, in on television and what time they'll play. So 2 o'clock, South Carolina, Norfolk State, number one overall seed, the Gamecocks, taking on Norfolk State at uh, 2 o'clock on uh, ESPN. And it looks like, you know, the Gamecocks, barring uh, some kind of catastrophic injury or two or three, it might take that many, uh, should waltz right through the first two rounds uh, in Columbia and then go to Greenville and go on from there. Remember now, uh, half the field's coming to Greenville, after the first two rounds, and the other half's going to Seattle, I think it is. So you got Greenville Region 1 and Greenville Region 2 all feeding into Greenville next weekend. That should be kind of interesting, having all those teams there at one point. But see nothing right now that would really give you great concern, at least for this weekend, for the Gamecocks moving forward in this tournament and getting a chance to get on to Greenville and on from there. I don't see anybody challenging them at home. 
and they've got four home games forthcoming. They'll run into somebody who's going to give them a test when they get out to Dallas for the uh, Final Four. But I just I, I think it is a cakewalk for them to get to the uh, Final Four. Now, what happens once they get there is anybody's guess. And you're right. I mean, injuries could occur, and in in that scenario, you have to take everything for for what it's worth. But I just feel they they've been so dominant all season long. I don't see why it would change, and especially dominant when they get to play at home. Yeah, absolutely. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to covering that and seeing what uh, South Carolina looks like after a you know, basically a full week, well, about two weeks off since the last time they played in the SEC championship game. So uh, Should the men go to that? Should the men have a week off between the conference tournaments and the start of the NCAA tournament? I don't think so. No. no I'd say keep them in a groove. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why the women – I mean, I guess the women just – they don't want to go up against these power conferences having their tournaments and trying to um, attract an audience against that. It's all television run. You know, if television said, okay, ladies, you know, you're going to play that next week, but you're going to be going up against those those power conferences, but we're going to run your tournament then, you know, so be it. But, you know, that's why they take that week off because the power conferences have their, their tournaments. And got a new uh, head football coach at Dorman High School. He's a former player at Dorman, and he was on the staff there. And they're promoting offensive line coach Jake Morris to uh, take over the Cavalier program. Played on their uh, state championship team back in uh, 2009. We'll be back after the break. Just got to say this uh, cute little story. So... Driving home from Atlanta, like I said, I went from Greensboro to Columbia to Atlanta for family stuff and then coming back. And I don't know about you guys, in my car with my wife, we have a rule. Whoever drives controls the radio. So when I'm driving, I'm listening wow. to You don't have that rule? No. Oh, yeah. It's a good rule. It's a good rule. Because <laughs> if I'm not driving, I'm sleeping, so I don't care. Right. And if I'm driving, you know, we're going to listen to my choice. So... I'm not driving. My wife is driving, and <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed to say, you know, she loves Dr. Laura. Dr. Laura Schlesinger. You ever heard of her? You know her. She's still around? Oh, yeah. She's wow. on She's on XM. She was still on air. Oh, yeah. no. She's on XM. I only bring this up because when she turned it on, she had this man on, and he was telling her that he has a problem and i guess it involves his wife of 35 years but he was watching his favorite pro football team and he was screaming at the television he's very passionate about his football team and he screams at his team through the television you follow me now who doesn't you know what her response was dead serious she said you're abusing your football team by doing that (laughs) No, that's what she said. She said, you are being abusive to your football team by yelling at it through the television and being passionate about yelling about your football team through the television. And she accused him of being abusive. So anyway, I think that was uh, 
I, that's the first time I've ever heard, heard her, uh, you know, address something in the sports world. It kind of caught my attention there for a moment before I do it. be the last time. It will be she the last addresses time. something in the sports world. That was that was pretty crazy. <clears throat> All right, triple eight eight nine eight two five two five South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number here on Sports Talk since two thousand and two. More than nine hundred and ninety nine million dollars in lottery proceeds have been used to support. K-12 through programs in South Carolina. You can learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins. And playing for fun is a win for education. We go first tonight, first this week on your phone calls. It's Gamecock Larry in Swansea. Gamecock Larry, welcome in. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope you're doing well, sir. I did have a good weekend. But I feel, I try to tell you, Tiger Bryant, I try to tell you, Tiger fans, I try to tell you Thursday night to put your finger on the light switch, the party was almost over. Mm. Well, it didn't happen Thursday night, but it sure happened Friday night. But another thing, the Gamecocks put a double whammy on the Tigers this year. They knocked them out of the football playoffs. And I believe, since I'm Gamecock, hmm. I believe because the Gamecocks beat you in basketball, I believe that's why you was knocked out of the March Madness. That's what we put a double whammy on the Tigers this past year. Hope it ain't my last, but it's been a good one. I will say, I will say, and you are right, I will say that those two losses, the football team losing to the Gamecocks, certainly hurt whatever chance they had of making the playoffs at that point in time. And that loss to South Carolina in basketball at the buzzer on the road in Columbia. (laughs) You like that one, huh? You like that game? (laughs) That came back to haunt the Tigers. That came back. You know what? And just like help. you, you haunt the Tigers every night, don't you, Gamecock Larry? You just uh, uh, okay, Phil. Go ahead. I, I, I love all you. I'll talk to you later. I don't got. I like to get Phil. Boy, he loves them Tigers. They get it riled up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Larry. Thank you very much. All right, but he is right. I mean, yeah, those, did those two help. losses no hurt Clemson, right? Yeah, absolutely did. Uh, certainly the football loss. Now, I think you can probably say the Louisville loss and Loyola Chicago probably worse on the basketball side, but it, it didn't help that they lost to the Gamecocks, especially the way the season went for USC. All right, let's continue on the phones. 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number as we go to Hank in Columbia. Hank, I know you're fired up, jacked up, pumped up about the women's tournament. You probably think the Gamecocks going to roll through everybody by about 20 points per game. Oh, no, anybody can put on, the, you know, any day, given day somebody can do all. And I'm confident that they, they can do well. But, you know, you can't just, just walk out there and, and win, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's – I'm confident more in the fact that our, that our women approach it the right way. They approach every game like a serious game. They don't talk about games too down the road like a lot of people do <laughs> and the way and the way they go about their business. So I'm more uh, confident in how they approach the game versus saying. Um, but um, but you are excited you know, what, about things, right? You are excited about how oh, this yeah, is yeah, lining yeah, up. Yeah, 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 excited to get it going. Now, yeah. listen, I, let yeah, me ask yeah. you because I know you are a close observer of the women's game much more than I am across the country. 
So looking at the bracket for them, give me two landmines they have to avoid on their way to Dallas. Well, they'll play. I mean, if they get to the Sweet 16, they'll end up playing UCLA again. UCLA always makes you play. I mean, they UCLA runs a lot of ISO, tries to slow the game down. So, you know, you have to beat them. You have to be, you know, our girls are pretty smart and pretty patient. So mm-hmm. beating them, um, for other teams, they get impatient with UCLA and start throwing up stuff, and that's how, normally how they lose. Our girls kind of uh, take their time and, and don't worry about style points. And then um, and then, and they, if they get their past them in the regional final, they play Maryland. And, they, you know, we beat Maryland earlier this year by 30 up at, at, up at Maryland. So, you know, they'll have some familiarity with us. So, those would be the two games that that um, that could be, you know, challenges. But you know, I think our girls would be, would do what they're supposed to do. Um, I was calling about the, uh, you know, when you talk about the the why the women get that week off, it's because they play the tournament early. But it's I, it's not so much as going up against um, the men's tournament. Um, I think it's the fact that if you look at the tournament where the SEC tournament, it drew about sixty thousand over the um tournament to the to the games um the last two games nights being basically sellouts and cities bid on all that and so um one of the things i think the conferences want especially the SEC conference i've heard Sankey talk about it before is if you have the both conferences on the same weekend then uh it, unless they're in the same place like the big 12 where it just becomes an all three four day marathon with these girls and boys team you gonna have to split who's giving trophies out. You got to split league office personnel, and he didn't want to see. He doesn't like to see any inequities mm-hmm. in both. You split fan bases because if you have them in two two different cities, I mean, you imagine that year that USC won their first national championship with the women. That was the year the men were in the national championship. Now, if you imagine that the men went to the final four when USC women weren't there, the amount of fans they could have drawn. You know, we drew good. That, but the amount of fans they could have drawn with everybody focused in one place. But remember, people were having to hop back and forth between Phoenix and Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Um, okay. Well, that makes sense to me. And listen, I think the women are, they should be happy in the place that they're in. I think they understand that they have got their audience and people are going to watch women's basketball because they love women's basketball. Those who do are going to watch it whenever it's played. And, those who are more in tune with the men will watch that, and they get a chance to watch both of them. They're going to do that. So, um, I think uh, they they're sitting in a in a real fine place right now. And you know, look, I was I watched last night. I watched the the men's selection on CBS, and I flipped over and watched the women's selection on ESPN. Then I flipped back over and watched the NIT selection on ESPNU. So, uh, took it all in last night and enjoyed it all. Yeah, I watch. I watch uh, both of them also, porn. And I think that uh, you have a number of people. Like I go to the men's games also, so you have a number of people that go to both of. Them. Yeah, and it's one support yeah, the team. No, who says you can't be fans of both? Right? There's no rule that says you can't be fans of both. And I understand there's nope. some. There's some women's. Let's just use the Gamecocks for example. And I would say this is probably the case at places like Tennessee and places like Connecticut. You got some fans who are strictly fans of their women's teams at those respective schools because that's just that's just their cup of tea. You got some fans who are strictly fans of the men's teams, and then you got some that uh, go uh, for both of them. So, uh, 
<laughs> what did you almost so, say there, Phil? I'll go for both of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, watch it's all it, good. Watch the corn if the FCC is going to get you. It's all good. <laughs> all right, thank you for the phone call. We appreciate it. It's good hearing from you. And Phil, one other factor, and one other factor to quickly get off of that subject. Uh, one other factor with regards to the uh, women's tournament. Keep in mind, ESPN has the exclusive broadcast rights of that. They they've got all the uh, championship games this past week, so it'd be really difficult for the uh, women to find a spot to get on the air if they were doing the NCAA tournament. So it, it, yeah. it makes perfect sense the way they've got it set up. It does. It does. All right, uh, what you got, Pat? Just a quick question. Talking about both of these brackets, earlier today was watching some of the talking heads talk about the men's bracket and the women's this year and some of the differences, and one big one that sticks out to them, and I'm curious if you guys agree or disagree. On the men's side, there's not really a favorite. There's not really one team that stands out above the rest. It feels almost like it's fairly wide open. Even the one seeds this Mm. year with injuries or whatever seem a a bit more susceptible than past years. But then conversely, on the women's side, it seems apparent there is one team throughout the regular season that is head and shoulders above everybody else, mm-hmm. and that is the South Carolina Gamecocks. Would you all agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are the, they're, they're the aircraft carrier of women's basketball mm-hmm. right now. I mean, how many close calls did they actually have this past season? I know there were overtime maybe at one or two along the way. Yeah, there was a couple of... And then overtime at Ole Miss. Yeah. And I think, uh, didn't they have one other close one? Was it Kentucky? Uh, no, they beat Kentucky at home by 18. Uh, they had another one that was somewhat reasonably tight. Uh, at Ole Miss, they won by seven. UCLA was nine. Yeah. So that was, that was close. Most of their games were blowouts, and um, I think they've proven that they are so deep and, and, uh, and talented and, and well-coached that, uh, you know, there's just no one that can compare with them right now. You know, no one can compare with them. On paper and on the court, if they play their game, if they're having their typical uh, good game, because nobody has the size, really. Uh, I think the only way you beat them is you got to shoot about sixty percent from three. <laughs> you just got to be knocking down three after mm-hmm. three, because you're not going to get an offensive rebound by and large. Uh, and then, I mean, keeping the gamecocks off the boards is the real problem. So you have to compensate. See, they don't shoot a lot of threes. So how do you compensate? you got to knock down a lot of threes to compensate for all the twos and all the layups and all the in-the-paint scoring they're going to do. That's three versus two. So if they run up against, let's say, who is it that has that great outside shooter? Iowa? Yeah. And she has just, yeah, and she has one of those special, special days where she's just knocking down three after three and some others as well. That could be a problem. But I think otherwise they're just going to steamroll everybody. Okay. Got to go to the break, and we'll come back with more of your phone calls. Numbers 888-898-2525, and uh, love to hear from you here on Sports Talk. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, South Carolina begins spring practice. They had their pro day today, and Shane Beamer will meet with the media uh, tomorrow, 1230. We'll have that for you tomorrow night. And uh, Clemson continued with their spring practice sessions today. They've got their pro day coming up tomorrow, and we'll be back after this break. Hope, life, and the great Palmetto. What do these things have in common? Scholarship dollars. The SC Hope, the life, and the Palmetto Fellow Scholarships are funded by the lottery players of this great state. And after 20 years, you've invested over $7 billion in education. $7 billion. Impressive. 
the South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. South Carolina's largest hunting, fishing, and outdoor expo takes center stage at the Palmetto Sportsman's Classic sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance. Come on down for a good time with over 350 vendors, dog dogs competition, extreme raptor show, kids catfish pond, and much more family fun. Hope to see you at the Classic March the 24th through the 26th at the South Carolina State Fairgrounds. George Bryan here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training, and Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different, it's engaging, but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait, order today. Parents ask, what's the best way to save for college? I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and my answer is always open a Future Scholar 529 College Savings Account. It's easy. You can get started online with any amount. It's flexible to adapt to your child's college dreams. And you can deduct 100% of your contributions from the South Carolina state tax return. So what are you waiting for? Go to futurescholar.com and see why it's the smart, easy way to save for college. Futurescholar.com. We are back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. We have got a lot in recruiting coming your way. Stay tuned for that. Also, of course, we've got, of course, uh, springtime in South Carolina. Might be a little chilly tonight, next few days, but you know it's going to warm back up. You're going to be thinking about summer vacation and what you want to do. Maybe a spring vacation and what you want to do. What you want to do, of course, is head east to the beach Maybe to Pauly's, maybe to Litchfield, Garden City, Murrow's Inlet, all those great, great spots to uh, stick your feet in the sand and enjoy the sunshine along the coast of South Carolina. Give Jimmy Smith a call at paulysvacationrentals.com and let him take care of your accommodations. It's just that simple. You don't have a place to stay. You want a quality place to stay. It needs to fit your budget. It needs to fit the size of your party. Just tell Jimmy what you're looking for and they will hunt down the best spot for you. 843-237-4246 is the number. 843-237-4246. And, of course, if you want to buy some property, like you want to make it a lifetime move, they'll take care of you there as well because they are very much involved in the real estate uh, selling business as well. Again, that number for Jimmy Smith, James Smith Realty, 843-237-4246. Four, six. Make sure you go by and see Jimmy at their location right there in Litchfield, around the, around the border, right on the border of Litchfield and Paulie's. You can't miss it. It's a big old building. Got great sports memorabilia in there as well. And if you're a sports fan, you'll love what he has on display inside his office. Okay, understand our Greenville affiliate has just informed us they're having a problem tonight with the uh, reception of Sports Talk. So, if you're up that way, you're not hearing us. But if you're up that way and you're somehow hearing us and you're wondering why I'm not hearing you over the station, but you're hearing us on the stream, that's why. 
they are having an issue, so you'll have to get us on the stream tonight up that way. Hopefully everybody else is, is doing okay from that standpoint. As we go back to your phone calls, 888 Okay, lines have opened up, 888 Let me mention a few other things here that we want to get to. So our poll question of the week now is null and void. Uh, the poll question yes. was about uh, Brad Brownell. Tigers fell short of the NCAA. They're in the NIT. What do you expect Neff to do? Well, we've told you what Neff is going to do. But of the 308 votes today, uh, 44.2% said make a change. 39.6% say give them one more year. And 16.2% say said do nothing. Uh, NIT is a good sign. So uh, they're giving him one more year. They're not changing anything with the contract. So his contract right now runs through 2026. That remains the same. What else do we have for you here? Um, to pass along, we've got uh, that. Um, oh, Damon Stoudemire is going to be the new coach at Georgia Tech. This has been reported by Pete Themmel, ESPN sources, uh, finalizing a deal there. He's been a Boston Celtic assistant coach. Former uh, Arizona star, former NBA star. Uh, That's a great hire, I think, for uh, Georgia Tech. That's just the kind of guy in a city like Atlanta that will probably do extremely well attracting talent. You know he can coach. Oh, absolutely. And he's uh, got the pedigree both at the uh, collegiate level and in the NBA. I was, I have to admit, though, I was a little surprised. It may have been a long time coming that Georgia Tech parted ways with Josh Pastner. He just seemed like he was going to be a lifer there Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, even though he didn't do all that well. Uh, He had that one nice run back during the COVID era to the uh, ACC championship memory serves in the tournament because I, I remember him vividly because he wore the uh, face shield yeah. while he was coaching on the sidelines. But yeah. aside from that, I mean, it, it has not gone all that well here of late for Georgia Tech basketball. And, and the ACC, you want to talk about a, uh, the, the league being down and the narrative around the league. Well, here's one of the programs that used to always be really, really good, and they have fallen off a cliff. So, yeah, I think I think Stoudemire comes in and brings a lot of energy into Georgia, uh, into Georgia Tech and – uh, you know, it's not like Georgia is lighting it up. So if they can get some recruits to stay in state and pull them away from the Bulldogs, they might be good. Quick. Well, Bobby Crimmins had a great run, but Bobby mm-hmm. Crimmins could yep. recruit. You know, Bobby Crimmins yep. got exactly. guys like Kenny Anderson and John Sally and Mark gosh, Price. Think of the players. Think of the players mm-hmm. he had come through there during their heyday. Man, they were. And I went and covered those ACC tournaments when Georgia Tech was really good. And, of course, the Tobacco Road teams were really good. Those were some great basketball games. Those were. Those were some wars in there. Those are really good teams. Speaking of, I'm going to say this about the tournament. Of course, I love the ACC tournament. My first time back there in a little while because I've been covering the SEC tournament quite a bit. It was great being back in Greensboro. Disappointing with the crowds, though. Uh, disappointing with the crowds. I don't know if that what that means because you had all four teams make it to the quarterfinals from North Carolina. You would have thought noon – on a Thursday would have been a packed house, and that way all day it wasn't. It never got filled up the entire day, and it wasn't filled up for the semifinals either. Including That's really surprising with North Carolina and Duke. Exactly. And That's my point, and I don't know what that means. If it means the prices have gotten too high, fans are just w- ready to stay home. Um, I don't know what that means, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, because I can promise you 15, 20 years ago you couldn't get a ticket, or if you did, you were paying through the nose for them, 
And 12 o'clock tip-off, every seat was taken, and that is no exaggeration. So sign of the times right there. I don't know what the attendance was like for the other uh, conferences, you know, around the SEC and the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, you know, how their attendance was, but a little disappointed. Otherwise, the Greensboro presentation was was fantastic. Now, we have another team in our state. I was going to say we have another team in our state still playing basketball. You know that? USC Aiken. USC Aiken, yeah. They beat Augusta 84-77, and they'll play tomorrow night for a spot in the Division Two Elite Eight. They'll face Lincoln Memorial tomorrow night. So way to go down there, USC Aiken. You're going to say what? I was going to say, I wonder how much of the expansion and conferences across the board has made it a little bit more difficult for fans to be able to invest in a conference tournament. You remember back you were just touching on with Bobby Crimmins and Georgia Tech and those Tobacco Road teams. I mean, that, those were eight teams in that league, and that Friday was packed from noon all the way to the end of the quarterfinals, and then Saturday and Sunday you're done. Mm-hmm. Now we're asking folks to show up on a Tuesday and start watching games and stay there all the way to Saturday. It's, it's quite the investment for a basketball fan, even at the ACC tournament, to be able to spend that much time following their teams now because of the amount of teams that go to these uh, conference tournaments. You know, by the way, you're right. You're right about that. That's what I'm saying. I'm just wondering if people are just, you know, they're, they're, and, and now you, you want people not only to give to your scholarship clubs but also give to the NIL collectives. Just how much are you going to get out of people before they just say, I've had enough? Mm-hmm. You know, but I had to chuckle last night when the NIT field was announced because Herb Sendek is back in the NIT. Remember Herb Sendek when he was at NC yeah, State? NC State fame, yeah. yeah. But the state fans, I mean, he did a nice job, but and he got him to the tournament a couple of times, but mostly to the NIT or mostly to the play-in round of the ACC tournament. And their complaint was he's an NIT coach and he's out on the West Coast now. I want to say he's at like UC Irvine or something like that. Santa Clara. Santa Clara. And he's in the NIT, and I had to chuckle knowing <laughs> NC State fans like, hey, we're going somehow, some way. We've made the NCAA tournament. Not that they care about Herb Sidneck anymore, but I thought that was kind of funny. Also, <laughs> while we're talking about this, a guy who was a sports talk show host up in Syracuse, his last name is Axe, A-X-E. He's also a sports writer for the paper. You saw that story. Yeah, he got the Axe. He got fired by the radio station owner, they're owned by a company called Galaxy, and Jim Beheim's a 21% owner of that company. He's been real critical of Beheim in Syracuse basketball and football. I don't know if he was over the top or, or being fair with his criticism, but eventually reached the point where they fired him over it. And we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, rolling along here on a Monday night. Good to have you with us. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel here in Columbia, Chris Bergen from the Bergy Palace over in Sardis. Phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. Talking a lot of basketball, a lot of other good stuff as well. Let's uh, stay on basketball. And this afternoon, Brad Brownell met with the media. And I'll let you lead into it, Chris, because you've monitored this and uh, put it together for the show. So you can kind of tell us what he had to say here at the uh, outset and how he got into his comments. 
Well, he held no punches. It's fairly obvious he's still extremely upset, and understandably so, as to them not getting into the NCAA tournament. So he talked about that a good bit and how he's still unclear as to what the metrics are that kept his team out as opposed to maybe metrics that might have gotten his team in. He also brought you won't hear it here, but if you'd like to listen to his entire – and I, I recommend it because it's as good a press conference as you'll hear because Brad Brownell is, is – openly honest with everything he says but at the end of his conversation up at sportstalksc.com he's asked about expansion of the ncaa tournament he kind of chuckles and he said well this year obviously i'd be in favor of it but as he starts to talk a little bit further phil i'm concerned that there is a growing segment of coaches that want to see it go to 90 teams and i can't think of a worse idea in all of college sports than expanding the, probably the best tournament, best sporting event that we have in college athletics to 90 teams, and that would basically just render the entire regular season useless. So, again, you can hear his thoughts about that up on our website at sportstalksc.com. But he kicked off the press conference. He had to address how the Tigers aren't in the NCAA tournament, and Brad Brownell was obviously not happy. You know, just in terms of you're going to ask me about it, uh, you know, the committee has a hard job. It, it, a lot of the teams are, you know, we're all – very similar in certain ways. Um, we all have our warts. We all have things we've done well, accomplishments, big wins. Um, you know, one of the things I told our team is, you know, unfortunately we lost a couple games uh, that we probably shouldn't have. And, you know, we put it in the committee's hands. And when you do that, then sometimes you're not going to always get the call you want. It's like being at the end of a game and you know, you putting it in the ref in the referee's hands at the end of the game. That's that's something that we don't like. We we would rather control things we can control. Um, having said all that, um, I still adamantly feel like you know they made a mistake, and uh, it's hard um, to listen to some of the things that are said. Um, that it, you know, basically, it was all metrics is what it looks like. Um, and the problem with that is there's so many metrics that they just pick and choose. And I said this a month ago that they just pick and choose whatever they want. You know, in 18, 19, we didn't have enough quad one wins. We, did, we had we had all the we had great. We didn't have bad losses, um, and we lost to elite teams because that was the year that there were three number one seeds from the ACC. Um, but we were kept out with that. Uh, this year we obviously had some bad losses. But we had great wins. I mean, we were four and four against quad one teams, and three of those were on the road. And you know, it rings true in my ear. Jay Billis, I, that's maybe way back in eighteen nineteen when I didn't like what he was saying. Was who can you beat and where can you beat them? And we proved that we can beat several of the teams that got in. Um, you know, and we can beat them at home. We can beat them on the road. We can beat them in neutral. Um, and we did that. And to watch watch some of those teams get in and us not, I, I know that part of it was hard for me and it was really hard for our players. Um, it's hard to justify that to your players. Uh, they don't know all the metrics and and all those kinds of things, and, and I don't think it makes sense. And obviously that's why when the, the shows are over and you listen to Fonzo Ellis, Dick Vitale, Seth Greenberg, and Jay Billis, and they're all saying that Clemson should have been in, this has been a very challenging time. Um, but again, we, we had chances to take care of our business, and we did. So we, we left it up to the committee, and um, 
unfortunately, maybe the metrics are more important than common sense or just head-to-head watching games. Um, so I feel bad about that. Um, but, again, I'm, I just think there's a lot of good positive momentum with our program. Uh, I'm really proud of this team. I'm, my heart hurts for Hunter Tyson, uh, Brevin Galloway, the seniors. Uh, you know, they don't get another chance. And uh, what those guys sacrificed and how hard they worked to put our team in this position and get a chance, um, you know, that's that's the part as a coach that you see that, that really that, that just hurts you personally to, to have to watch that watch those guys suffer a little bit. Um, having said that, I think we'll, you know, I do think we'll rally. I think our guys will hopefully shake it off today. We kind of, like yesterday was tough and we can understand why, but today we've had to try to, you know, turn our attention to Moorhead State. Got a lot of respect for them. Um, we played them a couple years ago. Coach Brown does a great job. Um, won their league again. They've been winning their league most years now. Um, just a really good team. Great quickness, good speed, shoot the three. I think they had the defensive player of the year in the league. Um, he does a really good job. They run some really good action, a lot of movement, a lot of pace to their offense, a lot of misdirection. Uh, it's good stuff. Um, and you can see why he's a good young up-and-coming coach. And uh, So it'll be a challenging game. And, uh, you know, we've got to shake off the cobwebs here and, and – and, uh, move forward and so we'll see how we we do with practice today to uh, try to get that energy back Brad, so questions seems like whether it be you guys this year or AM last year it seems like there's a precedent being set that the committee will reward teams for playing more high quality competition in non-conference regardless if they win many of those games or not rather than a certain amount of wins or how you yeah. finish in your conference yeah, it's a hard, what's your take yeah. on that is yeah. and then also can you explain sort of your philosophy to non-conference scheduling well, first of all, like it may change year to year based on your team, yeah. right? And and what league you're in. Like the easiest example is Gonzaga, right? Because Gonzaga plays in the WCC, maybe not quite as strong as some of the Power Five leagues, you know, top to bottom. So they they schedule like crazy um, in the non-conference to make sure that they're getting enough, you know, big time games. You know, most years when you're in the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC you're going to get enough quad one and quad two games that, you know, you're going to still try to find a few in the non-conference, but you're not going to go load up with eight. Um, Half of that usually, you know, five or six. Um, Obviously, we have the Big Ten Challenge every year. We play South Carolina. We always play in an exempt, and usually that's at least four to five. And then a lot of times we'll play a neutral. And, you know, the hard part with – uh, sometimes with Clemson, and this is a complaint that I've stated to the league office for years, um, we're not all treated the same in the league. Um, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, I mean, I've been the head coach at Clemson for 13 years. I find it unbelievably ironic that in one of those years we can't play Indiana. Like, I'm from southern Indiana. Like, that's not a good TV story. Like, that, that we can't sell that as a – you know, they're usually one of the best teams in the Big Ten. Like, we can't bring them to Clemson one time, or I can't go back to Indiana or Purdue for that matter. I've never, we've never, you know, um, those are challenging games that obviously, if we would win them, are very rewarding. All right, Brad Brownell, comments he made today to some media about 
not getting in the NCAA and about going to the NIT. And the rest of that's on our website, sportstalksc.com. Then after that session, a group of four or five reporters were able to meet with Graham Neff, the Clemson Athletics Director, one of those who went into that meeting, David Hood, senior writer for TigerNet. He joins us now on Sports Talk, just fresh off the football practice field, so it's been a busy day. But, David, we thank you for joining us very much. And your visit with Graham Neff, and you put on TigerNet that Neff told you guys that uh, Brad Brownell would be back next season. Why do you think he uh, went forward with that I mean, sometimes ADs just don't say anything because they feel like they have nothing to say, and if, they, if they're not going to be making a change, there's nothing to say. Why do you think he went public with the uh, endorsement for at least another year? Well, you know, I think part of it is, is the fact that he, he came out with that letter last year that said the, you know, the NCAA tournament was the goal and that that would be the goal for this year and they would revisit things. And uh, So with Clemson missing the tournament, making the NIT – understanding that there would probably be a lot of conversation about is Brad going to be back? Is he going to get fired? Or, you know, will he be retained for another year? He just wants to kind of squash any rumors, uh, any distractions for the basketball team and just say, you know, Brad Brunell's coming back. And he said he met with him at uh, 7 a.m. the morning after the, the ACC tournament game and just said, hey, let's start preparing for next year. Because he feels like Clemson was, was an NCAA tournament team that uh, kind of Got, uh, you know, hose, jab, whatever you want to say. Mm. Uh, but he feels like this was an NCAA tournament team and they would roll with Brad for next year. Well, it's certainly good news for Brad. I mean, they didn't do anything to the contract. The contract runs through 26. And, I mean, today with the transfer portal, I mean, people want to have a four- or five-year contract to show recruits and all that. But really, David, with the con- with the transfer portal, and I know they still recruit high school players and maybe in some some way that's an issue, but with the transfers who can come in and help you right away, and I'm sure they're going to hit the portal again, that's not a factor whatsoever. It, it's not, you know, and, and Graham was actually talking about, uh, you know, everybody said, well, this was an older team this year, and he said he expects it to be an older team next year because he expects Brad to go right back out to the portal. Uh, they are expecting P.J. Hall to come back for another year. Um, you know, a lot of the guys that were younger players, that they got a lot of playing time this year. Ian Shefflin's coming back. You know, he said he expects it to be a little bit of an older team next year. So, yeah, recruiting has, has definitely changed with the portal, especially in, in college basketball. Uh, no chance Hunter Tyson will squeeze a seventh year out of his college career, huh? No, he. you know, he's not on that uh, Darian Wrencher, Will Sweeney, uh, James Kalski <laughs> plan. He's, uh, he's definitely gone. Uh, what a great year he had and what a terrific career he had at Clemson. Of course, they still have games to play. What did you take from – listening to Brad, and maybe, I don't know if you talked to any players or not, but they play on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock against Moorhead State. Now, the dangerous game is the first one, and I guess if you can win that first one, then you feel like you're in a tournament and you start to get your juices going because the competition gets better. Do you get the feeling they can get over the NCAA tournament snub and be focused and ready to play on Wednesday? Yeah, you know, I guess that's that's kind of the the big question. I think Brad thinks that they can. Uh, you know, he, he you know talked about a little bit about uh, this is the final chance for a lot of these players. Maybe you thought Senior Day was it for Hunter Tyson or uh, Brevin Galloway. Now you get another chance or two or three to play in front of a home crowd. And uh, yeah, there's some tough games out there because if you look at it, maybe there's a potential Vanderbilt waiting down the road or 
a UAB and some of the metrics say that UAB would be a better team than Clemson. Uh, you know, so so now you know you're you're going to be in a fight. You can't just walk out there. So uh, I, I think he thinks he has his team's attention and that their attention will be on trying to to make it out to Las Vegas. And that you know that's another thing. Not in New York City this year. The, the NIT semifinal finals are going to be held out in Las Vegas uh, in, in a minor league hockey arena attached to a casino. Oh, really? Nice. Yes, not at Madison Square Garden. Going to be at Orleans Arena. Hmm. And not going to be at the UNLV Arena. Okay. Yeah, that caught me by surprise last night when I was uh, writing my story and realized I read where it was going to be in Las Vegas. I said, what? And I went back. They announced that in January. I totally missed that. They announced that in January. But this is not the first time. I also went back and looked. Maybe it was you, Chris, or somebody pointed out to me. Uh, two years ago, they played yeah. it in Texas, uh, the semifinals of the NIT in Texas. So I think that's kind of uh, – I don't know what the motivation is, the rationale behind it. I thought part of the allure of the NIT was a chance to go to New York for a few days and play <clears throat> in the world's most famous arena, and uh, and that would be something important to college basketball people. But anyway – before we let you go, Graham Neff also mentioned to you folks something about a new $40 million basketball-related uh, uh, structure they're going to be building at Clemson. What details do you have on that? Well, he just said it's going to be you know, kind of like football has that operations facility. This will be a home for both Clemson men and, and women's basketball with uh, a nutrition center, a, a weight center in there, going to be kind of in that corner, if anybody knows Clemson really well what they call the Ipte Corner there at the corner of Death Valley, across from Little John Coliseum. He said he wants it to be connected. Uh, not going to break ground on that this year, so it has to get some state approval and then approval by the Board of Trustees. But $40 million earmarked for that uh, to kind of maybe hopefully take Clemson to, to the next level. Hmm. Interesting. David, one final thought on Clemson not getting into the NCAA tournament. Listening to uh, Coach Brownell talk today, and Phil and I kicked this around earlier, he struck me as as a coach that was almost somewhat confused about what kept his team out. And my point about this is if you're a college coach trying to qualify for any tournament postseason play and you don't quite understand the criteria, doesn't that make your job twice as hard? Shouldn't the NCAA maybe set out some guidelines that every selection committee can use Maybe not the blueprints all the way through, but at least some guidelines that they follow each and every year. So there is somewhat, of, at least somewhat, for lack of a better term, somewhat pat, some pattern that allows these coaches to have an understanding as to what they need to do to get into the tournament. Yeah, I'm, you know, that's a great question and it's something that we asked uh, Graham Neff about. I said, you know, in looking at future scheduling, you would think that you would almost rather uh, go five and five in your non conference schedule against. Quad one and quad two teams go go five and five against them, then ten and zero against quadrant three and four teams. You know you bring in a lot of teams that you should be you know rather handily you try and get, and get your team ready to play that way. And Graham said absolutely that that's something that they have to look at. And uh, yeah, they have what they call watchers conference watchers inside the NCAA you know uh, tournament committee's room uh, when they're going over. Hey, what are you looking for? And it's almost like the committee right now is looking at losses more than they are at wins. But Graham was talking about Clemson played in that tournament earlier this year where uh, they beat Cal. But if they had perhaps played TCU and even lost to TCU rather than beating Cal, then, then maybe their metric is even higher. So I think it's confusing for everybody. Uh, he said that's one of the things that the athletic directors inside the ACC 
ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips, they're all kind of meeting about to go figure, you know, exactly what do we need to do? Like, what has to happen? Do we not need to schedule Sacred Heart, uh, you know, in NC State? Do we need to go get more, uh, you know, mid-major, somebody like that? Let us know what we need to do because scheduling is done, for the most part, by coaches and their staff. It's not done by an AD like it's done in football. And they, they need to figure out, hey, what do we need to do there? Yeah. It's so confusing, it's as if NASCAR were running the selection process. <laughs> I mean, seriously. You know, change lanes, switch lanes, choose lanes. Now the lane choosing is longer than it was last week. And I'm serious. It's like they have a different rule book every, every week. Last thing, David, uh, anything significant coming out of football practice today? Uh, no, not really. We met with Mike Reed, who's, the, of course, the assistant head coach, cornerbacks coach, but uh, he was telling us tonight that he, he sensed in a little bit of a, a hunger with this team. That the way last season finished uh, with the losses to South Carolina, the loss to Tennessee, uh, kind of not what Clemson expects. And then he sees a little different hunger uh, with the defense. And then, you know, something Clemson fans don't like to hear. I asked Malcolm Green, uh, the cornerback, you know, or any of the wide receivers standing up to you. And he just kind of looked at me kind of blankly and, and said, no, not, not really. And so for a team that has had – some wide receiver issues over the, the past year or two, probably not what Clemson fans want to hear. Okay, my friend. Hey, thank you so much. We really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, David. Have a great rest of the night. Talk to you again soon. May see you up there Wednesday. I appreciate it, guys. Thank, thank you. Thank you. All right, David Hood from TigerNet. Appreciate him being with us here on Sports Talk and sharing that info with us. I mean, I'm all for coaches keeping their jobs, okay? I'm not one of those people who clamors – it's not my place. I don't have that kind of power, and I don't care to, uh, you know, unless somebody's just doing something like, you know, Will sure. Wade, for example. I mean, you know, he needed to who, be fired. Who got a job yesterday. Who just got uh, hired by somebody who likes him. <laughs> but people like that, you know, scumbags, okay, I'm all for them getting fired. Good people. Brownell's good people, mm-hmm. and he's probably, I don't know, you could always say, is there somebody who could come in and do better? I mean, uh, seven postseason tournaments in his 13 years now, I believe that's the count. Some NCAAs mixed in, an NIT here and there. Uh, he's taken him to the Final Four of the NIT. You know, Clemson has played, while South Carolina has won two NIT championships, Clemson has played for two NIT championships over the years. They just haven't won that championship game. But anyway, uh, I, you know, I think it's probably the right thing to do. Let uh, Because if you start – Firing coaches, you see what happens in places. You end up in that wilderness, wandering through the wilderness, trying to find that right guy. You have a guy stays with you three years. He wasn't the right guy, and you go and hire somebody else, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's probably the right move to stay with him. You didn't have to do anything more. Um, it, this is not at the level that it was with uh, South Carolina and Frank Martin, where it, they were going to fire him a year before they actually did and had to go through a whole season with that kind of hanging over the hanging over the program. Uh, I don't think we're there yet, but I would I would say that I do believe if they don't make the NCAA tournament next year, then I think Graham Neff might indeed make that change because I kind of think that's probably fair. Last year the letter and all that was kind of the handwriting on the wall. I think mm-hmm. the saving grace here is Neff believes this team should have been in the NCAA tournament through really no fault of of um, the coaching staff, so give them another year to see what they can do to get them in. And guys, no, y'all, like us. Sorry, ahead, real Pat. quick, Chris. Guys, y'all may not like this, and I'm not sure I do either. But if big if if there were a change made after another year, after another or two, 
a name out there that may be a real candidate for Graham Neff is the coach you just mentioned, formerly of LSU, Will Wade. Let's not forget he is a graduate of Clemson University, and his first coaching gig was as a grad assistant with the Tigers in Clemson. He has very strong ties. I know he has a checkered past, but if he were to go to McNeese State, which is also down in Louisiana, not far from LSU, he's going to have a lot of those same recruiting circles, same AAU coaches that he knew so well at LSU. He may be able to bring a winning mindset to Clemson, although maybe a little on the dirty side, just a name to consider. <laughs> well, We'd have to take a shower after every press conference with that. Keep in mind now, he stills under investigation. I mean, the NCAA has not closed the book on his case. They, or whatever that new level of investigation is, they're still looking into it. And he may get hit with some penalties that will carry over to McNeese. He may also be hit with some show cause penalties as well. That will affect him every time he tries to get a job. And I want to make it clear. I'm saying mostly tongue-in-cheek with, with uh, bringing up the Will Wade thing. He does have the Tiger ties, though. But I'm with you guys. Don't like to talk about coaches still that are there and being potentially replaced. Brad Brownell is the head coach at Clemson. But interesting connection between Will Wade and the Tigers. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. And, Phil, with, with Graham Neff's decision, as I mentioned earlier, it, it almost was made for him, I think, but by the way the Tigers have played this year and especially down the stretch and unfortunately not getting into the tournament. But you go around and you fire a guy who I think is probably universally respected within the coaching community like Brad Brownell is, and you fire him after a 23-win season and uh, finishing third in the ACC, your first question is going to be for your new guy, what, what do you expect from me here? at a place that has no basketball tradition, relatively speaking, to the other colleagues I have to deal with in the ACC. Absolutely. You know, what are you going to – but I, I think that, um, look, every coach looks at a situation as his opportunity to put his name and, and his, um, his culture in place there. It's just like Lamont Paris replacing Frank Martin. I mean, Frank Martin – even though they only made one NCAA tournament during his time at South Carolina, you know, there's the argument they should have made a, a second one, okay. Mm-hmm. But the one they did make was a hell of a ride for him, right? And yep. and he, he, he lived on that the rest of his time at South Carolina. But they were never, uh, well, outside of his first two years as he was getting things going, they were never really a, an absolutely a disaster of a basketball team. They were always uh, pretty good good enough to have a consideration, good enough to go to um, the NIT, um, and they made that run. So my point is when they decided to make the change after those, what, 10 years with Frank Martin, 10, 11 years, whatever it was, um, you know, the next guy coming in happens to be Lamont Paris. Uh, the bar was not so low, but it wasn't so high. But, I mean, it's – Lamont Paris will be able to um, elevate the USC program potentially in time to where it was under Frank Martin, but he still has a little something to live up to, don't you think, from what Martin did at South Carolina over that decade plus? No doubt. You're going to walk through that hallway always at Colonial Life Arena or look up in the uh, rafters and see that Final Four banner. That's something that the men's basketball program will probably display for a long, long time and certainly should. So, I mean, it may not be held to that standard like, say, North Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky hold their programs to that standard. But still, that's that's a goal that's obviously achievable at USC gonna hit because the break. done it. Yeah, going to hit the break here at the bottom of the hour. we got recruiting coming up, as you might imagine. There's a lot to talk about. 
We'll hear from Don Staley and more as we continue on this Monday night. A couple of other quick notes, then we'll get into your phone call. I'm sorry, we'll get into recruiting. Get into recruiting. And if you want to join us on the phones, 888-898-2525 is the phone number. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. Some other uh, notes to pass along to you. One other team is in action in basketball still in our state. Upstate is the number 16 seed for the CBI and will face the number one seed, Indiana State, March 18th in Daytona Beach. And the Clemson women are in the women's NIT. And they'll be hosting a game on Thursday. And, Chris, I'd like for you to go cover that for us, if you would, please. The women's NIT? Yes. There. At Clemson. Good for them. That That's a step in. You want to talk about a coach that has really struggled to rebuild. That's a step in the right direction for Amanda Butler. She mm-hmm. probably needed a, a season like this for them, especially considering she's, they clearly get overshadowed by the Gamecocks in this state for sure. Oh, but, yeah. Hey, nationally. <laughs> nationally for sure. Uh, so the transfer portal for basketball, the transfer portal, John, open today for basketball, and USC's Trayvon Minot is in the transfer portal, John, reported by Josh Milliken, who is with North Pole Hoops. Of course, Trey is from Canada, was a reserve player for the Gamecocks, didn't play much this past season. And in baseball, the rankings, Gamecocks are now 14th in collegiate baseball uh, as they're off to their hot start. Uh, they are in uh, D1 baseball. They are ranked 16th by D1 baseball. And their game, by the way, against Presbyterian tomorrow has been moved up to a 4 o'clock first pitch. Is that for temperature? It's not supposed to rain tomorrow around the state, is it? But I also saw, I think, Coastal's moved the game up, too. I'm, I'm curious if it's because of the temperature, not necessarily the, uh, the rain. Must be. Must be. Also, uh, Ole Miss made it official, Chris Beard is their new head basketball coach. That announcement was made uh, this afternoon. Former South Carolina State star defensive tackle Javon Hargrave reached an agreement, four years, $84 million, $40 million of it guaranteed. And he is signing with the 49ers. So congratulations to him. That's the way to cash in on a great season and some great years there with Philadelphia. And a reminder that we've got our, back at, our, our bracket for you, ready to go, Sports Talk March Madness bracket. It's in the ESPN Tournament Challenge, and uh, you just go, and when it, uh, you go into the challenge and look for um, the particular groups, and you want to choose our group, which is uh, Sports Talk March Madness, and get in your bracket. And, uh, boy, we're working on some uh, really uh, neat prizes You'll probably have a selection to choose from, okay? Uh, and I guess maybe uh, by tomorrow night we'll have things finalized and we'll detail for you what the winner will receive. Already got a good number of entries, so once you get your bracket together, make sure you join our group, which is Sports Talk March Madness. Love to have you on board with us. Let's see. Um, none of us won it last year. It was somebody, it was a listener who won it last year. But who amongst us did extremely well last year? Do you remember? Was it you, Pat? Did you have a a real good bracket last year? 
I wish, but I did not. I had a very, very poor one, actually. I, if I'm going to go out on a limb here, I'm going to say, say Smitty. Smitty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the go-to for this Smitty's kind of Smitty's been red hot. <laughs> I also want to catch up on a couple of other notes that we hadn't gotten to because of uh, travel and everything last week with basketball, but Bennett Swigert is the new head football coach at Hillcrest High School. One-time USC quarterback and former South Carolina State offensive coordinator, so he takes over that Hillcrest program. Heathwood Hall has hired Rick Reitz as their new coach. He comes from uh, Porter Gowd. He was at Porter Gowd, and then he was the offensive coordinator at Rabin Gap High School in Georgia. Furman coach Clay Hendricks hired Addison Lynch as his new defensive backs coach. He was with the Lions last season. Uh, Dutch Fork alum Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver, is the 2022 Blanchard Rogers Trophy recipient. He'll be honored at the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame induction ceremonies, April 21st in Greenville. He was the Belitnikoff Award winner, and what a job he has done with his career uh, since leaving uh, Dutch Fork High School. And 2025 running back Trey Leonard has transferred to West Florence from Trinity Collegiate, 1,123 yards, nine touchdowns as a sophomore last season. Just catching up on some notes, and now we'll get to the recruiting part of the program and of course it's brought to you by our good friends over at sea wells and if you got something coming up that needs the very best in the catering business we want you to give the folks at sea wells a call and let them do it all that phone number is 803-771-7385 online at seawellscateringsc.com and don't forget the daily luncheon buffet every day monday through friday from 11 till 2 for only 13 dollars. you can't beat it so Clemson had visitors on campus Friday, Saturday, had a junior day for a small group on Saturday. They had practice going on. And safety Ricardo Jones of Warner Robins, Georgia, was in on Friday, 6'3", 200. He was offered by Clemson, so that obviously went well for him. He's also been to Auburn, and he's going to be going to Florida State, Tennessee, Alabama, and possibly LSU. He's going back to Clemson for an official, for their official visit weekend of June 2nd. He's got 31 offers, including South Carolina, Florida State, Auburn, Michigan, Arkansas, Texas, Louisville, Kentucky, Notre Dame, Stanford. Only played in six games last season due to injuries, but he managed six interceptions and 38 tackles. West Florence safety Kelvin Hunter on Saturday named his top five USC, Auburn, Virginia Tech, Michigan, and Appalachian State, and then he told us later on in the day that South Carolina is actually his number one choice right now. The Gamecocks like him as a nickel because they can play him closer to the box, and he's a good tackler. He's good against the run. He's going to visit Virginia Tech March 26. That's the only other spring visit he has right now. He plans to get to Michigan, Auburn, and Appalachian State. Hunter had 103 tackles, six pass deflections, one pick, and six block kicks last season. Offensive tackle Casey Poe, 6'5", 280, Lindale, Texas, was at Clemson over the weekend. He picked up an offer from the Tigers. He actually has family in Buford, Georgia, so that was sort of his central location, his staging area, as he made some visits in the area, and he came to Clemson on Saturday. Had a great conversation with Thomas Austin, and Dabo Sweeney was there for part of the day. They had the funeral for Jeremiah Trotter Jr.'s mother on Saturday, and he was away for that. But he was there for part of the time, and he had a chance to speak with the players, including Poe, 
He was really impressed by what Sweeney had to say about his history and about what he stands for at Clemson. He's also been to TCU, Oklahoma, LSU, and Texas A&M. He's got Auburn and Georgia the next couple of days. Georgia offered him last night. He'll visit Baylor and Texas Tech at the end of the month. He's going to go to Alabama in April. He does plan to return to Clemson at some point. Not sure if that will be an official visit or not. And he wants to make his decision before his season. Maybe the biggest offer handed out by Clemson is always big when it's the quarterback. And this one went to Air Noland, who was in on Saturday, 6'3", 195, Fairburn, Georgia. So he's the quarterback that Garrett Riley is going to pursue. He's a left-hander who threw for 4,100 yards and 55 touchdowns last season. And so he met with the Riley. He talked to Adabo Sweeney, of course, while he was there. And the Tigers joined a long list of uh, impressive offers, including Alabama, Arkansas, Miami, A&M, Auburn, NC State, Louisville, Ole Miss, West Virginia, Oregon. The Clemson visit was his first of the spring. He'll be uh, at Arkansas early this week. He might be there right now. He also has visits set with Miami, Ohio State, Alabama, Texas A&M, and Purdue. He also went to junior days at Texas A&M and Alabama. Did you say his name was Air? Like Air. In the sky? Air, Air. Nolan. Okay. Prentice, like Air Jordan. Prentice okay. Air, but it's not a nickname. That's a given name. Yeah. Wow. That's his given name. Prentice Air Nolan. We just You've call him You've got to be a Air. terrific athlete, don't you? We if, just, you yeah. if you're labeled that by your parents? Yeah, we just call him Air, <clears throat> just to keep it simple. <laughs> uh, all right, Clemson also offered over the weekend linebacker Joseph Phillips, 6'3", 230, shorter Alabama. He's also been to Georgia, Auburn, and Florida State and plans to go to Auburn again April 8th for their spring game. South Carolina's also offered him, as have Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Georgia, Missouri, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Florida State, Georgia Tech, and Florida. Clemson also offered offensive tackle Michael Uini, 6'7-290 of Caparis Cove, Texas. He's got over 40 offers, and South Carolina offered him this afternoon. He's a big-timer. Alabama, Baylor, TCU, Florida, Texas, Oregon, Southern Cal, Nebraska, Michigan, Georgia, some of the others. He was at Michigan for a junior day in late January. USC has offered speedy corner Elijah Hall, 5'10", 175, Tuskegee, Alabama. He lists a 40 time of 4.37. Last season, eight interceptions, one for a touchdown. Also plays receiver running back. Last season had over 3,000 all-purpose yards, 17 rushing touchdowns. Arkansas, Army, Southern Miss, Georgia State, Arkansas State, UAB, Tuskegee, some other offers. He attended junior days at Alabama and Florida. Offensive tackle Deion Stutz of Memphis, who had a USC offer, committed to Arkansas. USC target 2025 quarterback K.J. Lacey, Sarah Land, Alabama, was offered by Oklahoma. Running back Jaden Scott of Stockbridge, Georgia, has a USC offer. And he plans to name his favorite schools like today. And so maybe, while I'm thinking about it, if I take a moment here and I do a quick search, maybe I can uh, I can grab that while we're talking about it. Let's see. Did he post them? Yes. So we've got his top seven. The Gamecocks did make his top seven. In fact, he just posted it 16 minutes ago. How about that How about for that? breaking news? So his Very seven timely. are the Gamecocks. Wake Forest, NC State, Rutgers, Duke, Northwestern, and Louisville. Duke. 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 Basketball. 
2025 6'8", Sadiq White of Charlotte was offered by USC, averaging 15.7 rebounds per game at Myers Park. Former Dorman star guard Miles Tate transferring from Butler after three seasons. He was a high school teammate of P.J. Hall's, and he hurt his knee at an ACL in his second year there. Kind of set him back, obviously. Clemson is showing interest in St. Francis transfer 6'8", Tedrick Wilcox, Jr., 11 points, 4 rebounds per game. Stock risers reported USC coach Lamont Paris was in yesterday to visit with Wofford transfer 6'8", B.J. Mack. Florida and LSU head coaches were also in. He averaged 17.6 rebounds per game this season. He was All-Southern Conference first team. Also, Wes Mitchell of Gamecock Central reported that Blake Franks will visit South Carolina on Saturday to watch the Gamecocks practice. Frank's still trying to decide between South Carolina and Clemson and really hasn't said anything in a while about his recruiting. And so when he's going to announce and what other plans he has, we don't know. But Wes Mitchell reported he'll be at South Carolina for their practice on Saturday. There you go with recruiting right here tonight on Sports Talk. Okay. Uh, Before we hit the break, a few minutes with Dawn Staley and her reaction as the uh, USC women were named the number one overall seed for the second straight year in the NCAA Women's Tournament. They're going to get Norfolk State, the number 16 team, as their sacrificial lamb. I mean, seriously, if they wanted to, seriously, they could beat this team by 100 points. Weren't they on pace to do that in their opening game last year? I think they were. <laughs> when, when they came up, I mean, they got so out of hand so quickly. Yeah, they could beat this team by 100 points uh, if they wanted to. Not that they want to or anything like that, but that's how one-sided this game should be. So she had a little session with the media after they announced the pairings and the uh, teams that are coming to Columbia. There are two other teams coming to Columbia. Marquette and South Florida will play at 11 o'clock on Friday. The Gamecocks and uh, Norfolk will follow. Here's a little bit from Dawn Staley to the media last night. Dawn, uh, quick opinions on the, the bracket and the potential uh, teams that you might face? Uh, I mean, uh, I know we're not we're not the same team, but there's some familiarity um, as you go down the bracket. Um, but first things first is uh, Norfolk State, and I'm sure they're, they're having a historical year, so we got to take care of business on Friday. Do you know anything about Norfolk State offhand? I don't. I just, you know, I was just following them through all, throughout social media and saw that they were they were having a good a good year, good good coach team. I think he got coach of the year um, as well. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll know a lot about them uh, come Friday. I was gonna say last year was a playing game. This time you know who you're going up against. Yes. That kind of help you a bit. You can go ahead and start preparing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's real helpful that you don't have to prepare for two teams. So we know who we're playing, and uh, we can get we can get going on it. I'm, I'm sure our uh, our video guy got to get with him because Norfolk State wasn't one of the teams he thought we would we would play. Um, so, but we're we're excited. Don, how's a, a key? How's she doing? Key good, better, better each day. Hasn't practiced yet, but she said uh, Tuesday. So we're off on tomorrow. Give her another day. It should be ready to rock and roll on Tuesday, but we'll have to see. Uh, good to see it. Tennessee's hosting. Yeah. They got Iowa State. That's so the other side of the bracket. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My bad, y'all. <laughs> Don, you've, uh, I mean, you've been sent out west. You've been sent to the Midwest. How does it feel to know that, hey, it's a short ride up to Greenville if you guys get out of here? 
Um, I mean, it, it's great. You know, I, I think when we uh, we got shipped out to Stockton, we thought it was such a drag that we had to go out there, and we ended up winning the national championship. Okay. Um, so there are blessings in, in all types of uh, situations. Uh, we're blessed that uh, Greenville was a was a region. We're blessed that we, we did enough to get um, sent to this region, and we, we have to make it work for us, but we know it won't be easy. Could you see teams like Maryland, UCLA, on your side of the bracket, just you know, both in very different positions than they were when you saw them in the winter, just sort of, you know, how do you prepare to maybe see some of those teams you saw very early in the year again? Oh, I mean, the, the same way. I mean, we, we prep for a, a healthy uh, Maryland team, and uh, Diamond Miller didn't play. Um, since then, they've been, they've been tearing it up. So, I mean, if we take care of business, I, we got we got the first round, we got a second round before we even have to um, see them, and they got to get through their bracket. So anything can happen in March. Um, but there's a lot of familiarity, um, yet, you know, all the teams are playing a lot different than they did in, in, in November and December. Um, of course, uh, this year's team, you know, most of them were on last year's national championship winning team. What are some of the, I guess, differences and similarities uh, kind of in the message you communicate to them knowing that they already kind of have that experience? With yeah, I mean, I think this year we, we, we're we playing more experience with the target on our back. So it's, it's not as much, there's pressure, but it's not as much pressure. Meaning, like, we had to win last year. Like, for, for our own psyche, for Aaliyah, for the Freshies, uh, we had to win because of how we lost the year before. Um, but this year, they've learned how to win and how to, you know, how to, to, to carry the, the to carry that pressure each and every game. So we're not, you know, it, it doesn't guide us. It really doesn't. Like, we're not thinking about, you know, us accomplishing what we accomplished already. We're just thinking about the next game and we have to win the next game and that's that's been a mentality all season long so I don't I don't I mean I actually just let them guide me into into what needs to be said and, and done and more times than not they just they come in they come in ready to rock and roll all right Dawn Staley some words from her we'll have more from her uh in the Gamecocks uh, as the week uh, progresses as they get ready to host those first two games of the <laughs> NCAA women's tournament in uh-uh. Columbia Back to your point about Norfolk State, Phil. They are used to playing in front of less than 1,000 fans per game. Mm. How in the world are they going to handle playing in front of nearly 18,000? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm a, please, well, and the, one the game, thing we are not going to do is analyze this matchup, okay? Well, I mean, we don't have to analyze it, and I'm not going to waste 10 seconds. I don't care if they were playing in front of a bunch of uh, horses. In a, okay. in a stable. It wouldn't I, matter. I would agree with you. Yeah. I would agree with you. By the way, it was 44-4 to last year against Howard at halftime in the opening round. That's right. It's, if they wanted to be that <laughs> this be that time, way. it'll be the same <laughs> way. Yes, indeed. All right, hit this final break. We'll be right back. Parents ask, what's the best way to save for college? I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and my answer is always open a Future Scholar 529 College Savings Account. It's easy. You can get started online with any amount. It's flexible to adapt to your child's college dreams. And you can deduct 100% of your contributions from the South Carolina state tax return. So what are you waiting for? Go to futurescholar.com and see why it's the smart, easy way to save for college. futurescholar.com life it has its ups and downs sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or 
dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. All right, final minutes tonight, and speaking of Dawn Staley, she's going to be all over the NCAA tournament on those AFLAC commercials with Coach K, and uh, she talked a little bit about that last night uh, in meeting with the media. She went out to California and shot those commercials, and she was just saying that she was um, very pleased with how everything was done and how she was treated uh, like it wasn't like she was a throw-in. She said she said she was treated just like Coach K was, and uh, wow, yeah, cool. Don't know if you've seen them, but it's I have not. They've got I saw a couple of different versions, and so um, that's going to be playing all over the NCAA men's and women's tournaments uh, over the next few weeks. So you'll see plenty they, of that. Do they rival the uh, Deion Sanders Nick Saban ones? It's kind of the same concept, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the, the duck. It's about the duck and <laughs> talking about the benefits of Aflac and all that kind of good stuff. So. Saban's a lot funnier in those than I ever thought he would be. Exactly. I just thought he would be awful, but I think he's his, actually kind of funny in, in that dry sense of humor. Well, I was going to say his lack of humor yeah. comes through, <laughs> Works real well which with makes Dion. him funny. Yeah, yeah, you know. And in this case, I mean, you got uh, arguably you know one of the top two or three men's coaches of all time in Shashevsky, right? I mean, you put him up there with Wooden oh, and yeah. easy, Dean easy. Smith, and, uh, and it's a very short roll call there. And then, you know, by the time she's done, Staley – She's not going to surpass Gino, I don't think, in terms of number of championships. She'd have to coach a long time and win a bunch more. But she'll be right there with Gino and um, Pat Head Summit and mm-hmm. and a few others, you know, uh, as the greatest women's basketball coach of all time. But when you factor in her entire uh, resume from a player, one thing these other coaches were not, they weren't great players. They weren't olympic players they weren't all american players they weren't professional players and i mean she's got that as well she's a hall of famer as a player as well as a coach so the complete package there for basketball for her um and that's why i mean you know her her star her q rating i guess you would say is what they use in advertising terms must be off the charts right now during this time of the year I would think so. Plus, she's uh, extremely popular in terms of, uh, you know, we've talked about it before, her supporting the the Philadelphia Eagles. And anybody in Philadelphia knows exactly who Dawn Staley is. So that's one of your major markets there. So, yeah, she's as marketable as they come. And I think you're right in terms of her entire resume. There's nobody who can touch what she's done both on the court and off the floor as as a coach. All right, let me also mention here, you know me, i got to keep my eye on some golf things. We've got today the opening two rounds of the Professor, not Professor Hacker, <laughs> the General Hackler Tournament down at, well, it's hosted by Coastal Carolina. They're playing it at the Dunes Club. Yes. And uh, let me pull this up real quick here because South Carolina is playing in that. And there it is, the General Hackler 
almost said Professor Hacker, which is a putt-putt course there at North Myrtle <laughs> Beach that somebody I know owns. So Virginia shoots um, – they played two rounds today. Virginia goes 22 under. Ooh. East Tennessee State is 20 under. Louisville 15 under. Kent State is 13 under. Uh, Furman is 3 under. South Carolina is in 10th at 2 under. So Furman is 9th. South Carolina's 10th. Coastal is 12th at plus 10. As far as the individual competition, Ben James of Virginia, rounds of 68 and 65. That's playing. Uh, he leads at 11 under. Matt's edge of East Tennessee is minus 10. The low Gamecock is Nathan Franks, 68-69. He's at minus 7. And also from um, the world of golf, I'm going to mention this real quick if I can find it. Scotty um, Scheffler is really good at golf. Oh, Scotty Scheffler won the, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it was about Clemson. It was amazing. I'll have to get to it tomorrow. You guys have a great night. We'll see you back here tomorrow night on Sports Talk.